0: Hello, everybody. This is Tara, um, and this is God Talk with Tara, the podcast. And I'm going to kick us off with prayer tonight, and we're going to jump into the topic God gave me this morning. I'm so grateful that He gave it to me very early in the day today because it's been a busy day. um, And I would have been very distressed, I think, coming into this with less than 10 minutes to think about it. So we're going to begin. Thank you, Father God, for your provision, whatever that provision looks like. Lord God, you tell us that you will always provide the things that we need to build your kingdom. You call us to seek first the kingdom and that you will throw in everything else we need. And I think a lot of times, Father, we focus on our physical needs, but we forget that you give us the rest of what we need. You give us yourself. You give us your presence. You give us your light and your love and your encouragement. Father God, we are so grateful for all of the provision that you give for us as we follow you and and seek you, Father God, and as we share you with others. Lord God, I pray tonight that you would watch over all of those who are traveling, wherever they may be traveling to. I pray, Lord, that you would mm, make paths straight for us as we walk into your word today. And I pray to you, Father God, that you would mm, Give us a vision about what it is that you are trying to impart tonight, that we would understand the message that you're sending to us. Father God, I pray that you would open ears and hearts and minds uh, tonight, that the Holy Spirit would go before these words and that you would make the path straight from your mind and your heart to the ears that are going to hear. And I pray, Father God, that you would make me small, that you would take me out of the way and that you would use this time and this space in this broken and humble vessel to share your light and your love and your grace with all of those who hear. Father we thank you for your word we thank you for your son we thank you for your spirit we thank you for what you're doing at asbury and what you will continue to do at asbury we thank you god for the outpouring of your spirit in a time, Father, when we are crying out for you, when we know how much we need you, Lord God, we just pray that you would continue, that you would touch every single person, Lord, that is seeking to carry your kingdom to others, that you would touch each one of us, Lord God, that desires, that desires to step into the work you've called us to do. Lord, we know we need you. So I pray tonight you would be with us and that you would speak to us and that you would encourage us and convict us and help us, Father God, to live, truly live, Father, for Christ and in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was contemplating what to talk to talk about today, um, I mentioned Asbury and the ongoing revival that has been happening there that began on Wednesday. Um. I talked to my husband this morning and I was like, can we go to Kentucky tomorrow after you get off work? And he's like, why? (laughs) And I told him and he's like, yeah. So we are heading out to Kentucky tomorrow evening um, to go and and touch God. And he has given me words of of what it is I'm seeking, why I'm going and why he is inviting us there. Um, Words like repentance and deliverance. Um, And it's interesting because most of the time I don't feel like I am in desperate need of repentance. Um, I feel like I have repented of my past and that I typically repent when I recognize that I am sinning. Um, But one of the things I noticed that they were talking about is that it's not just about confession, it is about a deep desire to turn away from sin and to be holy in the here and the now. Um, And as I was contemplating those things, the thing that God brought to mind, because I was wondering why I don't tend to watch the videos that people are posting. I read, I read the accounts because I do, but I don't tend to watch the videos. And I also don't tend to watch sermons. Um, which I know sounds really hypocritical because here I am asking you to listen to sermons, but I don't tend to watch sermons and um, listen to sermons because there's an element missing for me when I listen or watch through a screen or through a device. Um, I feel like I'm watching TV and I do that less and less these days too because there's, an, there's something in that that makes us complacent, I think. Um, we have the sense that we have accomplished something when we really haven't. I first started picking up on that way back in, oh, probably 2010 or 11. Um, I was part of the Tea Party movement when it first started in, um, late 2000 or in early 2009, when that first kicked off. Um, And I went to the rallies, and we marched in Washington twice, and um, I had a podcast that was a radio show all about conservative politics, and, and it was not a bad thing. I think it's important, actually, as citizens that we are engaged in the political processes in the nation that we find ourselves in. I was very much not walking um, in the fullness of faith at the time. I was very secular in my thinking. I I didn't really understand what it meant to follow Christ at the time. And my politics has matured over the years as a result of that. And I find that I am far less, I'm far less partisan, but I am probably far more conservative, um, and would be labeled as such by most people. But the reality is, is I'm not Partisan in that kind of a sense. I believe that we should follow scripture in all areas of our lives. And that was sort of what I had found. But during the time that I was doing um, the show and I was encouraging people to get involved, and we were, you know, encouraging people to go to rallies, and we were, you know, make your voice heard. And You know, we were sharing our voices on on Facebook and social media back when it wasn't quite as loud there. And what I realized is we weren't accomplishing anything. Because if you are just sitting there yelling at each other and particularly yelling at people that agree with you about your opinion or about your prescription for something or whatever it is you're not really accomplishing anything, but you get a feeling like you're involved. You feel like you've done something useful. You feel like you're actively engaged. Over the years, that's gotten worse, actually, because at least back in 2009, when we wanted the feeling of accomplishing something, we would go out and march. We would go out to tea party meetings. We would we would go and do something at least. We would move outside of our house and do something. These days we feel as though we have engaged and done something important when we fire off a 10-second reply to something on Facebook or worse yet, post a meme that we think is, you know, hands down mic drop moment in response to something. We feel like we have engaged. We feel like we have done something useful or something in support of our cause or whatever. And the reality is we haven't. The reality is we have sat at home staring at our computer screen and wasted hours, (laughs) doom scrolling, I think is what they call it. Um, Although I'm not sure exactly what that term is, so I might be misusing it. But we've wasted hours of our time and so much energy, living vicariously through our screens. We read about what other people are doing. We watch other people's videos. We watch hours and hours and hours, billions of hours of video on TikTok and YouTube and um, Facebook Reels and all these other various places. And what we do is we give ourselves this sense That we are engaged with the world around us that way. It fulfills our need to engage with people. And so we spend this time on what they call social media, being social, except not really, and watching people live their lives while we don't live ours. And we spend hours and hours and hours doing this. We live virtual lives rather than living real lives. We live vicariously through the lives that other people live. And as I was contemplating that, because this is a problem, <laughs> and, and this is why I don't watch the videos coming out of Asbury, because something's missing. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but I want to come to the scripture that God brought me to as as I was contemplating this. So I think we've touched already once on, on Jesus and the woman at the well. And she's come to the well in the middle of the day and he's told her that he is the Messiah that she's been waiting for. And he tells her all about herself and she is shocked and thinks he's a prophet. And after... Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he, for in the Greek, I am. It says, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come come. See a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. Now, a little while later, we come down to verse 39 in chapter 4 of John. We skip over the the whole conversation about bringing something to eat and the disciples not quite catching what's going on. And we come to 39 and it says many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. Um, So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. So here's the thing. And I want to be really, really clear in what I'm going to say here, because the truth is testimony in the lives of Christians and in the witness to the world and in the building of the kingdom of God is vitally important. It is an art that has been lost among most Christians. We do not help people understand what it is to give their testimony as part of discipleship. We don't train them how to do that well. We give them canned speeches sometimes, but we don't give people an opportunity to share their testimonies with one another as encouragement, to share their testimonies of how God is moving. We don't make that invitation, typically speaking, in most of the denominations here in the Western world. And where we do, it is typically aimed at evangelizing with a conversion story or a two minute testimony of, and we don't really explain how the ongoing movement of the spirit in us is growing us into the image of Christ. We don't teach people how to share that with one another. So when I, when I say what I'm about to say, please understand that I don't mean it as testimony is not a thing that we should be doing. It absolutely is. We need to be testifying one to another. And we have been given great tools to spread the testimony of the people of the church all across the globe. Uh, The the internet and social media and video, all of that is a great tool for spreading testimony all around the world. But it is not a replacement for being face-to-face with a person And speaking the words of Christ to them and helping them to go from we believed because of what you said to now we believe because we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. We have been conditioned. Probably since the time television came into being, we've been conditioned to live vicariously through the things that we watch and the more easily accessible that is, and the less imagination that it requires, the lazier that process becomes, the easier it becomes. And the more difficult it is for us to separate our actual living our lives from that vicarious sense. Um, For example, A lot of the conversations I have with some of the people I know these days revolve around a television show that we're watching or they've watched or a movie that they've watched or something else that we've watched. And we will go into great detail about the characters and the plots and all of the various pieces of what goes on in these movies. And there's a lot of emotional investment in that. Um, Or... We get into conversations about things that are happening on Facebook and who said what to who, or about things that are going on in Washington and about this person who did a terrible, awful thing, or that person that did a really great thing. And isn't it just great? And I'm so excited about that. And and the reality is, is what we're doing is we're focusing our passion and our energy and our excitement on distant people doing distant things. And it makes us feel good. Like we've, we've taken part in those heroic things that were being done. Now, this was bad enough, you know, four or five years ago, this was an accelerating process already through social media, because video is very enticing for this sort of thing. And churches were starting to buy into this. So you had a lot of people who were experimenting. DVD, Bible studies have been a thing forever. Um, People use them. They love them. They want them because it's easy. It's easier than looking for the people in your congregation who have been gifted with teaching and who have been given an understanding through the Holy Spirit of what Scripture says and and that he has put there and resourced for the purposes of teaching your people, it is so much easier to get a DVD. But it's not as effective because that DVD is a vicarious understanding of Scripture rather than a deep dive for the people in your class and a deep connection with Scripture for the person teaching and facilitating the class. And so what you have is this very surface level understanding most of the time because you have a vicarious connection. It's not a personal deep connection to the material that you're working with. It is a passive absorption of what somebody else thinks about the scripture. So we had that going on in the church. And we had more and more churches that were starting to do Uh, recording their sermons Mm. and more and more churches that were moving towards various online formats and inviting people that way. Now, again, I have to caveat this. There are certain instances where watching your church services online um, is an absolute gift from God. For those who are shut in and cannot go anywhere, It is a blessing to be able to participate in the worship of your church via electronic means. But I will tell you something, it is more of a blessing for the people of your church, your pastors, your laity, to go to the people who are shut in and bring church to them. It is a blessing to have an opportunity to listen to people outside your church and to hear what they have to say. Um, but it's not the same thing as being part of your church community and being connected to the pastor who has been given responsibility for overseeing the spiritual well-being and growth of his flock. It's not the same thing as being in church every Sunday and saying hello to the person that you're sitting next to, whoever that may be, from week to week. It is not the same thing as being a part of the body of Christ. Listening to nine million sermons online might give you nine million sermons online, but they're not going to give you a deep connection to the community of God, but they will give you the feeling that you've got it. They will give you a vicarious sense that you are somehow being fed. Um, and that's a term for another day. <laughs> but the point is, prior to COVID, this was already a growing problem. More and more people were sermon shopping online rather than finding the people of God that the Lord had called them to be in community with. And and this is a shift in how we understand what it is to be the body of Christ. Here in America, we have a problem with Um, hyper-individualism. It is as pernicious as the communistic perspective about Christianity, um, neither of those is accurate. There, the, Christianity is not about communism because communism is godless and there's, there is no community like the church and acts without God being at the center of it. And at the same time, there is no individualism there either. And so we have these two very opposing concepts that push against each other all the time in American society, and particularly in the American church, and neither of them is true. And so we have this sense because of that individualistic nature um, that we don't necessarily have to go to church to worship God that we can grow by ourselves by reading our Bibles and doing Bible studies and listening to sermons online, and that that is what we are supposed to do, and we feel great about ourselves when we do that. And that's not what we're called to do. It's not what scripture tells us. It's not we are supposed to be in community with one another. It's part of who we are as the body of Christ. You can't be a body when you're all separated, Um, Now, granted, we are not all in one place at one time. I get it. But the fact is, is when you're all by your little lonesome, you are not part of the body of Christ. You are trying to stand on your own without regard to those, not only that God has given to support you, but that need your presence to fill the hole that you are designed to fit into in God's puzzle. And so we had... Already, this sense of individualism that was fracturing the church and giving us a sense of vicarious faith through various things that we could do that didn't involve us being needing to be in church on Sunday morning and needing to be involved with the lives of the people in our Christian community. And then COVID hit. And when COVID hit, many of the churches decided that they would... Transfer their worship services fully online um, for various reasons, because either the government said so or because they felt led to um, be protective of the health of their congregations, and they were cautious. Um, this is not a criticism of churches that made those decisions, but the fact of the matter is, is that what happened within a month of COVID, shutting things down, was that churches bought into the notion that gatherings were an unnecessary gathering, that church meetings were an unnecessary gathering. Uh, And scripture is very clear that that's not true, that we are not supposed to give up gathering together. Now, I know that there are circumstances where people gather in secret, where it may be two or three people gathered together. It may not be your whole congregation. But the fact of the matter is, is the scriptures tell us that Christian community is vital for the kingdom of God and for the health of the Christian individually and the health of the church as a whole. Christian community together, not on a video screen is critical. And the reason for that is because you cannot live the Christian life vicariously. Now it's funny because when I was thinking about this earlier today, I remember hearing somebody talk about having vicarious life through Jesus Christ, that we live our lives through Jesus. And that is true. So in that sense, we can live a vicarious life through Jesus Christ himself. He comes and he dwells in us and we have our life in Christ but we can't live our lives vicariously through other people. So for me to sit here and watch videos of sermons and listen to people singing worship songs on the screen is not the same. That is a vicarious worship that does not actually bring me into the presence of God and his community. But it gives me a false sense that I have been in the presence of God and his community, there comes a point in time when I can't tell the difference anymore, when that's all you've been getting is this anemic diet of praise and worship songs and whatever sermon took your fancy this week, um, or even the sermon from your church, but you don't actually get engaged with the people that are there, that, that, You get to look them in the eye and hug them and touch them and, and play with the babies and all of the things and listen to the annoying, you know, two-year-old in the back and smile because the annoying two-year-old, two-year-old in the back is in church and his mom's there with him. You don't get that through a screen. You don't get that by living vicariously. So if I listen to six sermons on Sunday morning, I will feel so full of the word of God except I will be so distant from him and from his people. The last part of the vicariousness that we we, we have to give up. And this comes from the invitation to go to, to go and see what God is doing at Asbury. I want you to hear me. This is not me telling everybody that's listening to me that you need to drop what you're doing and go to Asbury. There was an absolutely beautifully written piece by Mark Swayze on Facebook, where he discussed why he's not going, um, no matter the fact that his heart is pining and he would love to be there because he has been praying for this for years and years. And I know many others there have been praying for years and years for this to happen at Asbury, but he's not going because he has not felt God tell him he's supposed to be there. And I know several others that have that same sense that they're not going because the Lord has not told them they should. So this is not saying that you should go and run off and do the thing because you're living vicariously otherwise. That's not what I mean. But as I was contemplating the words of why God has invited us to go, repentance kept coming. Confession and repentance, confession and repentance. You need to be repented that I need to be repented. And I love that term. Um, I don't hear it very often, but the fact is I need to be repented. I can't repent myself. I can try. I can turn from the things that separate me from God, but the fact is I need his help with that. I need him to repent me. I need him to turn me around. I need the conviction of the Holy Spirit and for him to turn me around. But all of those things that I just said, they're my things. And this is where individualism does come in the church and is necessary in the church and we overlook it. So in the Methodist tradition, um, the Catholics do this. They have confession every week and you go talk to the priest and you tell him the things that you have done and you confess your sins to the priest and he tells you to go say Hail Marys and, and our fathers and forgives you. And as Protestants, we don't typically do that because that's a Roman Catholic thing and we don't need priests between us and God because we can go to God ourselves. Except James says that we are supposed to confess our sins one to another so that we can be healed. And so there's a need in us to confess our sins. And yet in the Protestant church and in the Methodist tradition, most of the time when we confess, it's part of our communion service. And it's not. Us confessing. Our sins. It's us confessing. Our sins. As in all of our sins. Together. We we confess them. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find that really quickly. I have a beautiful new hymnal. Um, from my son got it for me. So. Almighty and most merciful God, we confess and lament that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. And we are truly sorry and we humbly repent. So that's the one in this one, but there's a little more to that in the other one from the UMC. But the reality is, is what they're, Confessing there is a vague corporate mea culpa that really doesn't cover it. It doesn't confess my sins to God when I say that because really that's not specific enough to tell God what it is that I am confessing and to to gain forgiveness and deliverance. Because if I have not loved my neighbor as myself, what does that mean for me? How do I repent from that when I don't actually know what specifically I have done or not done that has caused me to sin against God in that way? If I have not loved him with my whole heart, again, what am I doing or not doing that I can repent from? that I can change from, that I can turn from, if I don't know what that is specific to me. And this is where I run into problems with corporate repentance as the only repentance or corporate confession as the only confession. The fact of the matter is, is it's not about our corporate sins. It is about our very specific sins. We are communal in all of the gifts that God has given us, but we are very personal in all of the sins. It is important for us to not vicariously repent. For us to not sit there in communion and in the part of confession say, oh, I have done this thing. We have done these things. We have done these things. We have done these things we're sorry, Jesus, your sins are forgiven, and then we're done. That is a vicarious forgiveness and a vicarious confession that does not lead to repentance and does not give us the forgiveness that we need to break the chains of the sins that hold us individually. Now, again, I'm to caveat that with, I love the communion liturgy. And I think it's critical that we confess as part of that. I think it's critical that the church recognize that as a, as a corporate thing. So I, I am not dissing the corporate confession of communion. I think it's beautiful in its own way, but it isn't sufficient. We need more. We need to know specifically individually our sins. We need to confess them. We need to repent of them. We need to be forgiven of them. We need to be delivered from them so that we can walk in the fullness of the joy and the glory and the power of Christ. So tonight, Father God, I pray that you will repent each one of us from living vicarious lives. I pray, Lord God, that we would not be satisfied with watching from a distance, that we would not be satisfied with watching others live, that we would not be satisfied, Father God, with vague corporate confessions, that we would not be satisfied with someone else's faith. I pray that each one of us, Father God, would be alive to you today, that we would be quickened in our hearts and in our minds and in our souls, that we would be grieved, Lord, in our spirit by every sin that holds us and that we would bring that to you, Father God, that we would confess and repent and be forgiven and delivered, Father. I pray that we would do that, Lord God, so that we can receive the life that you desire to give us the Holy Spirit pouring out into us and over us and through us. Father God, I pray that you would help us to step into the vibrant fullness of the living flow of your spirit. That we would no longer be content to watch from the sidelines. That we would awaken from our slumber, Lord God, and step into your vision of your kingdom. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for the promise. We thank you for the invitation. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Be blessed.